Elizabeth, welcome to Talking During Movies. How are Thanks you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this. This is always fun for me to meet new people, have a good time. We're going to do a classic, which I love. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we go any further, tell us, tell the people about your business, who you are, how they can get in touch with you, all those fun things. Well, my name is Elizabeth Pampalone, and I am the founder of Absolute Marketing, where we help entrepreneurs, small businesses, and nonprofits to create one year of marketing content, one entire year in just five days. So that's what I do every day. And I love it so much. Um, and you can find out more about that at getabsolutemarketing.com. Yes. And when you get an email from her, she's got the dopest email signature in the land. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Hey, uh, as we were talking about earlier, and I'm going to give a quick shout out, and then I'd like you to as well. Um, obviously, for me, the podcast, uh, it ties in for, uh, personally for me with, you know, watching movies here at the, we have a draft house here, which is a theater that also serves beer and great food. So beer and movies have always tied in with me. Uh, so for me, my local business that I always give a lot of love to are the breweries here. There was an announcement made that one in three breweries in Texas are going to close by the end of September. That's pretty heartbreaking, especially for a beer lover. So, uh, you know, today I'm, I'm having one of the staples of Austin, which is Austin Beer Works, their Fire Eagle. And then on the back burner is the Texas Family Beer Company. And I love their tagline, around beer, your family. So good job for those guys. Uh, I'll tag them in the comments and, and give them some love as well. Elizabeth, tell us what city you're at and then give us some places that we should go explore try all those good things well i'm in jacksonville florida so the northern part of florida and we have a couple of really awesome restaurants in town that are small local and they really do need the support right now um, and i've definitely been frequenting them um, it has not helped my waistline any however <laughs> it's really really good um, one of them is le petit france um, le petit paris they have it's a french couple that runs it they're amazing they have the best food they have the best coffee and drinks and everything so they're amazing um, and then also we have a, a, right around the corner from them actually, is another favorite of mine, which is the Happy Grilled Cheese. And they make every kind of grilled cheese you could possibly think of, and even some you've never thought of. Do they do um, the inside out grilled cheese? I don't know. I don't think they do that one, but they do one where they put on mozzarella sticks on your grilled cheese. I'm in. Okay. They I'm put sold. mac and cheese on grilled cheese. That's sold again. They do. Um, my favorite is their barbecue pork with mac and cheese on a grilled cheese sandwich. 
I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a, being in Texas, obviously always a little hesitant about barbecue. However, if you're going all, if you're going full out, you got to go full out. You got to try it all. You got right. Now you picked the movie. You gave me a list. This movie I think is very insightful for the times that we're in, but please tell us about why the 1954 Alfred Hitchcock original rear window is, is special to you. Well, I love original movies. Um, you know, we see so many remakes these days, and this is something that, you know, it, it was so different for its time. Um, it was, it's, it's kind of shot in a almost Greek drama situation where it's, it's almost in real time, kind of like the rope was shot as well. And um, I love that about it. And I also have always loved Jimmy Stewart. He was actually my first crush ever. My Jimmy Stewart. I love him so much. I, I watched probably every single movie he's ever made. Um, and some of my favorites were his really early movies in the 30s. And, um, but this one is just really special to me, too, because Grace Kelly is in it. I love her so much. Um, she's amazing. And the, the other thing is my parents, I grew up watching all the Hitchcock films, all the 1940s, 1930s, black and whites. You know, we didn't really see a lot of regular movies growing up, the, the ones that were current at the time. We saw a lot of old films. And my dad would um, record them from TMC or TCM, I guess, Turner Classic yeah. Movies. He would record them while they were playing overnight. And then we would watch the tape like the next day or the next night. Um, and so it was really fun to be able to see all these things that you know, no one had seen since they'd been on the screen, you know, the, the silver screen. So, um, so I grew up watching all this stuff. And so this is kind of a throwback for me to being a kid and, and watching Hitchcock and, you know, having that suspense and that kind of a semi terror <laughs> instilled in me as a child. But, um, but yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites. And I feel like it's, it's got a good mix of, of some humor, some romance, and then of course, the the mystery and the story that you're trying to follow while you're also you know, dealing with, you know, Jimmy Stewart's character and what he's going through and his girlfriend who's trying to, you know, get him out of his own head about things. And so it's just really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, you've got that, you've got this beautiful innate challenge that Hitchcock presents, right? You've got a man who's not married at the time, probably should be married, probably, you know, should have already asked to, to, for, for marriage and, and hasn't yet. He's, he's just, he's just got a pause in him. You've got the neighbor, Murder, not murder, we don't know. And then him convincing people. And, that, and that, that drama of dialogue is so lost everywhere else, it seems like. But Hitchcock pulls the drama of dialogue out so well, so well. All right, so with that said, I'm going to hit play over here. You can hit play on your end if you've got it queued up. Right at the beginning, we've got the little sunrise coming through. Just have it on mute, please. Otherwise, there's people who get mad at me. Uh, <laughs> so as we're as as, the, as we're going into the opening, all that there's some breaking news. I wanted to run this by you as a marketing person who works with small businesses and just has insights on things. I'm excited about it for a lot of reasons, but I also live in this weird bubble where you know I talk over movies and drink beer. So perhaps someone else should comment on this as well that I'm talking to that doesn't care if they offend me in any way, shape, or form. That would be you. And I don't get offended, so don't worry about it. Joe Rogan was talking with Tim Kennedy, a uh, former UFC fighter, uh, special forces, you know, American hero. And uh, Tim had said, you should do, uh, you should host a debate with Donald Trump and Joe Biden in your studio, four hours, no commercials, no live audience, just the facts, man, nothing else. 
I'm excited. So from your professional world, give me reasons why I should be excited and maybe I shouldn't be excited about this. Well, I don't know that it's even going to happen. So, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not, but, I don't know that any debates are going to happen at this point. You know, yep. we'll have to see about that. Uh, there's been so much back and forth about it. But, um, you know, I think that the, the candidates have done interviews with people that, you know, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't have, you know, recently. And so, mm -hmm. honestly, at this point, I think any go anything goes. And I also think that, you know, if, if Rogan wants to do it and he can get it, like, go for it. I mean, um, uh, Dave Portnoy just did an interview with the president. I mean, the, the Barstool president, seriously, like he did an interview with the actual president. So anything is possible at this point. And, you know, I, I would say if he can get it, go for it. And it should be an encouragement also to us that, you know, we, if we have dreams like that, or we have somewhere like someone suggests something like that to us. And we're like, you know, maybe I should try that. Go for it. Like there's no, if someone says no to you and they say no and it doesn't happen, okay, well you move on. But I think that, I think you should go for it if he, if he really wants to. And if it happens, like I'd be interested. I'd be very interested to see that. I, I would, I'm interested only because his viewership or listenership is so much larger. Even if you combined ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, he still beats them. And so I wonder, the question begs in my mind, if you want people to get out and vote, do you not want the largest footprint for that to happen, the media footprint for that to happen? And currently on planet Earth, you know, for North America, for us, that is him. Good, bad, or indifferent, right? Um, obviously, people have their, their druthers with him. Obviously, some people celebrate him. But he does have the largest, which is a crazy thing. It's a podcast. It's not Ozark. <laughs> it's not. It's and it's not a half hour or an hour, right? It's mm -hmm. three, four, five hours. It's crazy. I mean, I, I'm I'm impressed. I'm more impressed. I think that the success he's created in that, and the uh, and I'm I'm also just in awe of. Wow, to your point, hey man, there's opportunities. Go take them. They're there. Yeah. Uh, the world. Yeah. Uh, looking at the movie here. Have you ever broken a bone? I have not. <laughs> I have not ever. Wood. Let's get some crystals out. We don't want you walking out of here, <laughs> <laughs> tripping and breaking an ankle and cursing my name. Um, what you know? Uh, so you have never broken a bone? Any serious injuries? Car accident? No. Anything like no? You've been living a blast. Nothing. Look at that. I know. Love it. I uh, broken one bone at a uh, a boxer's break on my hand. I was downstairs in my basement in my parents' home in Montana, and I was running upstairs to eat some food. Hashtag hungry kid. And uh, came around the corner a little hot, hit the corner of the desk on my knee, and I was like, oh, spun around, hand hit the concrete floor. And there's no pet. Listen, in Montana, this is like they pour the yeah. concrete, they glue the carpet down. The carpet gets yep. cold every time. Broke my hand. I thought I had uh, dislocated my knuckle. And the bone was actually broken up into a V, broken up into like a little <laughs> pyramid. And so I jerked on it as hard as I could to relocate the pinky. And then I just separated the bone, which then sunk my knuckle back a little bit. And, you know, the pinky doesn't actually bend quite right. But luckily, <laughs> over all the dumb shit I've done in my life, uh, that's the only broken bone. And that was running after food. So it should teach me a lot. <laughs> No, thankfully I have not, I've not had anything like that. Um, the only surgery I had, I had a 
some kind of weird thing on, on the corner of my eye. And they had to, basically it was like plastic surgery. They had to remove it and they okay. did. And then I, no one ever even would know. So that was when I was like 12. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, did you grow up in Florida? I grew I up in Ohio, Ohio, actually. Ohio. All right. Tell me about, so Ohio, I love Ohio. Great spot. Good peeps. Um, Grippos. Yes. Greatest potato yes. chip. Mike Sells. Mike I mean, Sells and Grippos, those two. Thank you. Thank you. Now, how do we get in touch with Grippos to get that nationwide? Because I know, right? I, 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 I'd do anything for a Mike Sells potato chip right now. I mean, both of them. Hey, guys, I've called. I've offered big checks. I'll buy the state of Texas and distribute in Texas. No. <laughs> Could I get some mail to me? Sure. Could I get a variety pack? No. Yeah. <laughs> You can get the trash bag of Grippos, or you can get the little tiny right. bags of Grippos. Mm -hmm. Can I get the regular bag? No. Well, thank you for your customer service. I really appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job. I love you had the same issue with uh, Shivoni's spaghetti sauce and pizza sauce. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because they only sold it in the area. And now that company is almost like they only sell it to restaurants. So they don't even like sell it hardly in the stores anymore. And I was like, dang it. And I've tried to order before and you can still get it, but you have to literally call them and then you have to mail a check or a money order. And then you have to wait for them to get it. And then they process it. And then they send you like a pallet of spaghetti sauce. Stop. I'm serious. How do we, how do we bring these people up? Cause here's the, here's the problem. I mean, this is the big fear, right? The big fear is that we don't bring these people up and then I take my kid to the supermarket five years later and it's Doritos and Prego. And that's all I got because no one, every, you know, it's like, I, I, there's some of these people I want to do a hostile takeover in a real nice way. Well, I think if there was someone who could actually, you know, do some kind of, uh, marketing for them not not me kids it can't be me but if there was some kind of I way to like create a conglomerate and then like say okay i'm gonna do i'm gonna sell chavonis i'm gonna sell grippos i'm gonna sell mike sells i'm gonna sell uh what's that price price candy like i'm gonna oh, sell yeah, all the stuff candy. right <laughs> <laughs> look at how excited i got Mike. so i'm gonna sell all this stuff and like i'm gonna like put it together and then you market it out there and you get it into these little, you know, stores and little outlets and stuff like that. But that's a big undertaking. That's a really big undertaking. It is. But man, if we want to save good food, you almost got that's true. to. Because it, it is different. I mean, all those things you mentioned, folks, if you're listening, and here's the odd thing, and I'll send you the numbers. So this will go live tomorrow. So people in 20 years will be like, tomorrow? Huh? <laughs> I'm going to go live tomorrow. Keep it very generic. But uh, and then uh, the following day, I'll send you stats. Our number two listenership bounces between Kazakhstan, Moscow, Russia, and Denmark. Why? Could not tell you. No insights whatsoever on how anyone in, I mean, because I'm thinking to myself, especially in those three areas, right? We're talking about movies you generally probably haven't seen or don't have access to. We're referencing products and situations that you have no idea or concept of what is going on. And three, oh. I mean, I'm cursing and drinking, which in a lot of those areas, not really kosher. <laughs> so it's, it's hilarious to me in, in part ways. But, um, it, you know, so for those that are, that are listening around the world, let me tell you, it is 100% worth it to get on a plane and fly to Kentucky or Ohio, land and try these things. It's worth it. 
it's not just worth it like, oh, that was neat. It's worth it as an, I have people that are here that live in Texas from Kentucky that I used to play basketball with that I would see them and go, I'm gonna go to, uh, to uh, Kentucky to see some of my wife's family. I'm like, can you bring back a bag of Grippos? I've got, I bring a separate suitcase that I just fill with Grippos for friends. My dad, um, he's a Skyline Chili freak. Okay. He made it, he learned how to make it himself. Mm-hmm. And um, those oyster crackers are not found anywhere except Kroger. You can except only Kroger? get them at Kroger. Come on, Kroger. So he will go, like they went to Virginia a couple of months ago and he went to Kroger and he bought like 18 boxes. <laughs> I am. By the way, do you want to know what a 12 ounce bag of Grippo's barbecue potato chips goes for on Amazon? I can't even imagine. 50 bucks. No. No way. <laughs> 50 bucks. Grippo's barbecue potato There's chips, no. eight ounce bag, 49.99. Crazy. Uh, 18 count, 4.5 ounce bags, $47. It's $4.30 an ounce for their barbecue jerky. I, Grippo's, I don't know how you don't see this and think there might be a market out there for me. Yeah. Right, right, seriously. <laughs> and then the shock of someone being like, this is going to be $2.99 for a bag? Get back. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Well, we have graters here. We do have graters. Okay. Um, we can get it in the stores. Good. And um, like, you know, in the freezer section. Um, so I don't know what the, the half or the pints, you know, the small ones. I don't know what those are in the stores up there right now. But here they're like six, six to eight bucks. Really? Yep, just for just for a little pint, like a little, you know, the little tiny ones. Ouch, ouch! You know, I just I uh, just drove to uh, Florida with uh, with my daughter. We love to do road trips, so we did this epic road trip. Swung down, and then I took her through uh, where the hurricane hit between Houston and Lafayette because I wanted her to see the damage. I wanted her to understand how people can be impacted by weather. And then we stopped at every place that was open. I mean, if they were just selling water. I bought the water and then I handed the water back to him. I was like, keep it. Yeah. Sell it again. Just so she could see it. And then we went along the coastline uh, and all the national parks, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mobile and then down by Destin and that area. Oh, I love that area. Yeah. Cruising along, uh, you know, born and raised in Montana. And I'm used to seeing dead deer and some other things on the side of the road. I've never seen dead alligators on the side of the road. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah, it was seven gross. feet long, <laughs> cut in half by some semi that some very brave person drug to the side of the road because you could see the trail of blood where they drug it. I, my, we, we rented a convertible. We're driving. The top's down. You know, you're only going 40 miles an hour through these parks, max. My daughter sees that. She's just like, what is that? <laughs> its mouth is open. Like, ah, you know, just dead. It was terrifying. Do you um? Do you get a lot of those alligator reptile experiences in Jacksonville? No, no. We we Good. see mostly dead armadillo. That's about it. <laughs> and armadillos have that weird disease. They um, they've got uh, it's like leprosy or something. They carry. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. Cute. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just don't even like if it's if I see anything like that or anything alive or dead, I'm just like, nope. I am. I'm done. Moving on. <laughs> I'm out of here. Okay. I do not. I, I'm good with dogs. 
I'm okay with cats, the reptile family. God bless you. I know you've got a job to do on planet Earth. I'm gonna see you guys later. I don't need any part of you whatsoever. I feel like um, I feel like the when the uh, when the woman here is like pretending, mm-hmm. she uh, in rear window and she's pretending to like have dinner. I feel like that's what we've all done during COVID. Yeah, right. I feel like you know it's <laughs> it's, it's this whole thing in in rear window. I wonder how Alfred Hitchcock would make this today. I was thinking about this all day today. I'm trying to get some work done. You know, my kids got the online learning. I'm trying to help her out. And I'm halfway there because to the back of my head, I'm like, man, Alfred Hitchcock, I'm not on his shadows level of, an, of, of, of insights and thoughts. But how would Alfred Hitchcock make this movie today with all the social media, all the trappings, all the way to watch someone without them knowing you're, I mean, the only one that gives you any insight that someone's looking at you is LinkedIn. Right? LinkedIn I actually like, think he could do this very easily. And I think that he could even do this in a, in a post COVID world. I think he'd be the one making movies that we'd be seeing new movies come out from right now, yep. even though we've been shut down because he'd be like, look, all right, Julia Roberts, guess what? You are going, your husband is going to hold the key to your phone and I'm going to take whatever video I get and I'm going to make this story and I'm going to direct you through an Apple AirPod while you're doing this. Like he, like, I think he would be so on doing something very similar to this, like piecing together a story from multiple different angles, multiple different people, multiple different cameras, and he would make it this masterpiece and he'd be like, COVID, I don't care. We don't need a studio. We don't need... You know, I mean, he used chocolate syrup for like as blood, for goodness sake. Like he was innovative. He was thinking ahead and thinking outside of what they were doing traditionally. And so I think this whole thing probably wouldn't even have phased him. He would have just gone right on and we'd be seeing new Alfred Hitchcock movie coming out in December because it was made, you know, during COVID. Sure. And, you know, and and I think he would, you know, for a, a thing like Rear Window, right, where you're secretly watching people. I mean, he would have a heyday with what we're doing today. An absolute heyday. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you have a, do you have a guilty pleasure of a celebrity or someone that maybe you watch or follow that, uh, that, that, that inspires you from afar? Cause you don't know them personally. Um, you know, I, through my whole career and this kind of, it's going to sound really arrogant, but it's not meant to be. Um, I haven't really had that, that person that I've been able to like look up to because I've done things so untraditionally in my career that I, every time I wanted to do something that was kind of wacky or crazy, I would look around and like, okay, well, who else is doing this? I can like follow in that, you know, path. Mm -hmm. So I've had to kind of blaze my own trail. But I think in the last couple of years, I read the book um, Profit First a few years ago, and that totally changed everything I do in my business. And that, Mike McCallowitz has such um, an amazing mind and amazing way to right take something really complex and make it so simple and so i think there was anybody that i would say that i would like look up to in that way he would definitely be that person um i now buy the book profit first and give it to people because i know it's so powerful and it was so powerful in my business so really yeah there's a guy i'm pulling up his uh uh, marketing outrageously have you read that no i haven't read that yet now that might change your tune okay so (laughs) Eric Spolstra, he's the coach of the Miami Heat. His father wrote this book, Marketing Outrageously. I got to meet John, very nice man. We had, we had a lot of fun. He came out to uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, we, we had a good time together. But um, 
it's about pushing the limits on everything and not hearing no, but hearing angles, hearing agendas, understanding where I, I told him, I said, I was talking to him about some ideas that I had and I wanted to get his feedback. And after two ideas, he stops me. He's like, stop, stop. You have great ideas. You don't have the right connections. You need to work on your circle. It's not right for you. And I was just like, oh. damn. Boy, my friends are gonna be heartbroken. I've got to break up with them. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, I mean, he was doing stuff. He took the nets. He uh, he ran the nets for I don't he wasn't like the president, but he, he ran the nets on the marketing side. And he and he changed that whole culture there where he went from we're not a basketball, we're no, we're a family entertainment. He had the nicest locker rooms for the players, for the visiting players, to the point where every NBA player at one time had a Nets robe and towel because they were the nicest and most comfortable. In the Jordan era, he was selling out when he was running Portland, the Portland Trailblazers. In the Jordan era, he sold out every game, every game. Not even Chicago did that in the Jordan era. That's the kind of marketing wizard because it is it's marketing outrageous. like what outrageous what do you want to do do it to your point right earlier you, right don't be held back can you give me an example you, you touched on like you, you blaze your own trails you do stuff differently give me some insights into 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 a couple of those that have happened where you're just like shit i guess i'm carving the trail for other people well about four years three to four years ago um i was doing the traditional marketing thing my had my agency had been running for a couple of years mm -hmm. and i have a degree in web programming so marketing and you know web web design is all part of what i do sure. and i i was getting so frustrated because i didn't i couldn't get things from people i couldn't get their info i couldn't get their bio i couldn't get their headshots i couldn't get i don't know like whatever else i needed from them written stuff just their logo i mean anything like that so i ended up um saying you know what i i'm too stressed i would have a 30-day contract I would charge $3,500 and I would spend 29 of those 30 days hounding them. Like, let's talk. Can I help you? Can we do this? Da, da, da. And then they would send me everything on day 29 of 30. I would have two new clients coming in the next day. I would have a whole new schedule set up. I couldn't delay the other clients. I had to get them in. And so I would end up building their website in a day and being so stressed the 30 days just to get the site done. So I was like, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I took everything off my website and I said, the only thing I'm doing is three things, brand in a day, website in a day, and social media in a day. And these are your options. It's a 24 hour marketing system. It takes three days, three, eight hour days, and you can get all this stuff done, but I'm not sitting here for 30 days with you anymore. That's it. We're not doing this. So the next person that came to me, they were like, I love all of this. I want all of it. Three days booked done. And I had actually cut my price in half for each day. So now I've actually made with three days, I make more money than I made with one client and I'm not stressed because the three days are on the calendar. They know when they are. And when we sit down, we build their brand in a day, we build their website in a day and we build 12 months of social media in a day. And then I don't have to see them again if they don't want to see me again, but that way their stuff is done and I'm done and we can part ways or like I do maintenance and stuff like that. But it was kind of like this, Hey, you need help. I need you to work with me because I need your business. So let's just do it and get it over with. I love it. You know, uh, 
especially just the the precision precision in that right it's um and the accountability uh yes it, you know yeah. the precision accountability is is, is obviously so crucial want to run something by you talking about social media over you know in a day for for a year i have and correct me if i'm wrong i'm okay to be wrong i'm not that smart <laughs> i'm great being wrong but i've always told you they're like man social media i said we live in three calendars tomorrow's going to happen whether you like it or not if it's monday tomorrow's tuesday if it's thursday tomorrow's friday that shit never changes guess what else there's an economic calendar and then there's your business or lifestyle calendar, whatever that is. And if you don't have that, the economic calendar is mapped out. We know when the jobs report comes out, we know when mortgage, we know all that stuff. That's already mapped out for the year. And now your calendar, if you have, you should have a three month runway, projected six months, knowing the world could change, but three months, give yourself 90 days and you know, see where things are working. If you live off those three calendars, you have social media handled based on understanding who your people are, who you're talking to, and where these economic lifestyles impact them and where they don't, and knowing how to leverage off those emotions. How am I doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I always say <laughs> I that, um, make it a little more simple, make it a little simpler. Okay. You need to know who you are, mm -hmm. what you do, mm -hmm. and who you share it with. Nice. I like that. So if you can do those three things, if you can handle those three things and you can know those really, really well, and like, what you're saying, you know, about the economic calendars and stuff like that, like all of that stuff would go into that, um, that message that what you do, because okay. if you're going to, if you know what you do, you might know, okay, I'm a marketing person. Okay, great. That's not what I do though. Yeah. What I do is help small business owners create one year of marketing content in five days. I've just hit emotional. I've just hit the, um, the need or the want. And I've also mm -hmm. hit the practical. I love it. So, all of that is encompassed in a very short sentence or a few words. So that's what I, I think comes into play with what you're talking about, those three calendars. And if you know those things about your client, about yourself, about your business, about how your business works and how it ebbs and flows, then definitely you can definitely get social media totally taken care of. And that's why we do it in a day because you can do 12 months in a day and give yourself all that time and you give yourself that consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of small business owners don't have the consistency. They don't have time for the consistency. We're, we're spending about 20 hours a week marketing our businesses. And that is insane. That's too much time. Yeah. And that's a statistic from a study that was recently done. And so if I can give you back those 20 hours so that you can spend those 20 hours dealing with clients, meeting with clients, booking more calls, speaking engagements. If I can give you those 20 hours to go do that stuff, you're going to make more money in the long run. So if you can give me five days, I can give you 20 hours a week back. Which is awesome. Fantastic. Do you, um, it's interesting because you know, I've worked with small businesses, large businesses, had a lot of fun in, in both arenas. They both have the same problem. And, and a, a friend of mine who was, uh, very, very affluent told me this, and, and I love this analogy. 4852 versus 9010. So the thing that looks most black and white, the easiest decision. Do we turn left or right? Left. Got it. And that's the decision. Nothing else is put into that huge, huge 9010 decision, right? Left is north, right is south, don't care. Boom, we got it. And then you have the 4852. What hue of blue should we do? Oh man, is that font right? I just don't know. And he said the greatest mistake that every person makes is they focus on the 4%, not the 80% swing. And they're hung up on a hue 
and they're not hung up on north or south. You know, yep. you see that in this movie. He is, you know, he's trying to convince everyone of these that there's a murder, and they're hung up on. Are you watching people? <laughs> there's right. murder. Are you drinking alone again? How's right. your leg? <laughs> you know, do you see that as well? Where you're like, hey guys, it's a big decision. Like, got it. Okay, but hold on a second. You're doing the website. I want to know. Do you like this font or this font? And you're like, you know, I think there's bigger fish to fry. And it is true. And that's another reason why um, we do the branding in a day because people will spend all day on that or they're not all day, but like all like months and weeks and years even. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things I operate off of is called Parkinson's law. That basically is where if you give something an amount of time, it will take that amount of time. So if you say, we're okay. going to have your website done in four weeks. It's going to take you four weeks because they're going to know in their mind, the way this human psychology goes, mm -hmm. they know in their mind, they have four weeks to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you have four weeks to do that. That means they have four weeks to get you all their stuff or that it's going to be done-ish in four <laughs> weeks. Right. So if you say to someone, look, we got eight hours, yep. I'm going to ask you to make decision, 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 decision. Right. Sure. And if you can get someone to sit and focus for eight hours, they actually will be able to make decisions because their brain will not be automatically multitasking. Okay. So I isolate my clients. I'm like, okay, we are in my office or we are not in your office. I even go, I travel and do this and I'll go to someone's state or city, but I will say, guess what? I've booked us a room here. We're doing this here. So I take them out of their element, even if I go to their city or state. And um, Corporate I, I isolate lady. Them. Corporate it's kidnapping. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, they're not kids, they're adults. So, um, so I, I basically isolate them and then I'm like, look, we are only going to focus on one thing at a time. So it's just branding. It's just website. It's just social media. It's just email marketing. And we take them out of their element and I make them shut their phone off and all that stuff. Because if I can get them to focus for eight hours, that is like, you know, 80 hours of real time in the regular world yep. because they're actually, their brain is like, oh my gosh, I only have to do one thing at a time. Sure, I can do that. No way. No problem. All day long. No big deal. I've got this. So I try to get people to just make that focus switch. And once they do, Parkinson's law kicks in and they're like, I've got eight hours to do this and I am going to do it in eight hours. Do you, uh, only I, I bring this up only because I've had this experience in the past where uh, sit down, do the meeting and someone's just ant. And I'm like, did you take some Adderall? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, only got eight hours. We gotta go. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. We gotta slow it down. Put the coffee down for sure. Because I'm well, usually the amp yeah. one, you know. And there, and and uh, yeah, it's, it was interesting. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be there because they, whoo, they're jazz. You gotta slow them down and and have the process go through and and really, you know, um, imbibe in them what 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 you're, what's trying to be accomplished. Yeah. And, and usually what, the way I take that is um, I'll be like, you know what? I am loving your energy. Let's actually, I love what you said earlier, which was probably like 10 sentences ago um, <laughs> about X. Let's, let's totally focus on that. Tell me more about X. And yeah. so I kind of get them to, they focus themselves, you know, I, okay. I kind of guide it, but I do have a process and I do have a system. So I'm really asking the questions. I'm the one guiding the process. Then I'll have people that show up with no computer which is kind of a no-no, but it's, it's works eventually. Um, we can figure it out. I've had people show up with nothing. Literally, they bring me nothing. They bring me no photos. They bring me no text. They bring me nothing. And I don't require that they bring me stuff, but they're literally just show up like, okay, man, what are we doing? Like, tell me how this works. 
And even though I've sent them a checklist of things that if they have, they should bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had people show up that are super prepared, that are over prepared. And we end up using none of what they've done because it was totally the wrong direction. Like you said, North or South, and they just picked a direction. Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting that I try to get people to look at it as a, from the perspective of we're starting with a clean slate. Yes. You still want to be a little bit prepared by being, bringing your computer or bringing, you know, a few necessary items. Um, but you do want to kind of walk into this with a clean slate. I don't research any of my clients before I meet with them. A lot of people do. I don't. And it's because I want them to have to explain to me what they're seeing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. So I'm a consumer now. I'm on a consumer side with a marketing brain. And if they tell me something and I, as a consumer, I go, wait, what the hell? What are you talking about? Then I can look at what they're saying from a marketing perspective and go, oh, I see where they're going or I see what they're trying to do here because maybe they heard something else and somebody told them to do this. But really as a consumer, it makes no sense to me. But as a marketer, I understand what they're trying to do, but it's not connecting with the consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I tell a lot of people too is a lot of people are their own demographics. They don't realize, but they're their own demographic. And so if they can think of something that they would like as a consumer or that they wouldn't like as a consumer, then they should definitely use that or not use that depending on what it is. That's great advice. It's great insight too. It's, um, I, you know, in hearing you talk about how you've got this, you know, web analytical background, I'm wondering if, if that isn't actually the fuel that created the three days that created this, this, this structure, because you don't go willy nilly into a website and start throwing around code. (laughs) (laughs) You you can't. And, you know, and and I'm wondering, um, you know, the, the, the difference, I would say the crucial difference is right is you can eloquently speak about it. And I don't know a lot of people that, that, that can bridge both of, of those gaps, if you will of, you know, having an eloquence thought process at the same time, having structure and understanding the technical aspects that work behind it to make that, to make the wishes work. I don't have the technical background. So I get tech people around me and I go, well, this is what I want. And they're like, okay, nope. Or yeah, that's been done before, or that's interesting. We should try it. Mm -hmm. But it, it never goes, you know, I was like, hold on, Jay, what do you want to promise them? What do you think we should do? And I'm like, I've got some ideas. There are a lot of, right. <laughs> and some work and some don't. And, you know, and, and some are just like, oh, this is too expensive or we can do it, but here's, here's what it takes. And not just from us, right? It's sort of what it takes from them. I think that's the other thing that people don't understand. You know, uh, Jimmy Stewart can take pictures all day long, but he's got to go to the place to take the pictures. So he has to get there. So there's some effort that he has to make. So the pictures turn out, the camera takes pictures. If you touch the button, right? right? But the camera doesn't do anything else. And I think sometimes people look at marketing as this whole thing. And they're like, yeah, I gave you a sentence. Go. And you're like, no, no, I'm, I'm a reverse ATM until <laughs> until this launches and you see the success of it right right it's i also think that people um you know they'll use marketing um kind of like okay well and i've seen photographers do this actually or budding photographers i will say budding. they'll oh. buy the fancy camera they'll buy the big lens they'll buy you know all the accessories and then they'll sit it on their shelf and go Nobody wants me to take pictures of them. This is a stupid business. Nobody's, you know, this isn't Nobody's working. Calling. 
Right. And it's like, I have a website. Why is no one calling me? And I'll build everything for them with marketing. I'll do everything. And then the camera will just sit there and they, they don't, and they don't do anything with it. Like you can give someone all the tools that they, that they could possibly use, but if they don't do anything with it, it's not going to actually bring them anything back. And so I think that's the same kind of thing. Like what you're saying is that you have to, you know, yes, it takes effort from me and I had to spend time and money and energy learning what I know. But at the same time, if I give you all these tools that I have and you don't do anything with it, well, that's not going to help you either. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't work. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, I'm watching Jimmy Stewart here, watch his watch and look outside and he's wondering what's going on and he's contemplating and you, you think about those things, you think about what you just said, you know, this idea of build it and they will come. I've got the website, I've got Instagram, no one's calling, no one's doing stuff. When, when I started this podcast, I mean, no one knew what it was. No one cared, right? I mean, I was recording out of a bar in downtown Austin because my friend was kind enough to let me go into Dirty Bills and record. And people are like, how do you get a guest? I, I was emailing people. And then, you know, I got into this, these groups where they're like, okay, well, now you're a part of this whatever registry and you can ask and people will respond. And then I fell into another bunker. And I'd love to talk to you about this. I love your insights on this uh, because I fell in this bunker and I was like, I was talking to a lot of people. And some just wanted to give their company name out and then call it a day, right? And didn't want to engage and, or they kind of did, but you're really pulling stuff out of them. And my, my audience was pissed. I was like, dude, you're having Tim Kennedy, Jesse Mae Palooza on. You're having celebrity chef Joe Gatto on. Who's this asshole? You got your buddies on. We like to listen to you talk to your buddies. Yeah. This, I don't want to listen to an ad for two hours. Like, mm -hmm. I want to listen to people and their insights and their, and their conversations. I want to hear how business is done better. I want to hear about science. I want to, I want to hear about the rap world with, with Shaw. I, I, yes, please, please, but not this. And it, you know, and I'm like, man, this is during COVID. And I want to help as many people as I can. And a really wise friend told me, he goes, it's your platform. It's your show. It's your dance. You don't have to dance with everybody. Just because they email you doesn't mean you have to talk to them. And I was like, oh, because I remember being that PR person that would email, begging for an interview for my client and not getting the response. Mm -hmm. and it's like, scarred me. Yep. <laughs> so like, I'm talk yep. To so you're like, I have to talk to everyone. I have to respond everyone. to everyone. I feel like I'm seconds. horrible. Come on, please. You know, and now I'm just mm -hmm. like, man, I feel like an asshole, but I'm cutthroat. I'm like, delete. Nope. Nope. Great story, I'm sure. Gotta go. You know, it's um, how do you determine a client? Well, I, I love what you said about like, you know, that you can't really just talk to everyone and you can't just keep, you know, like he said, it's your show. <laughs> it's your thing. Like you need to, to direct this. You need to run it. And I think what happens to entrepreneurs a lot, it happened to me definitely several years ago was I let my clients run the show. They were the ones calling the shots and I wasn't. I was just providing a service, providing a service. And really calling the shots means that you're taking over and saying, I will and will not do this. I feel like it's like um, the song from, uh, was it Meatloaf? is like, and I won't do that. You know, yeah, like I'll do anything for and, love. Right. I won't do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so I think that's really important to, for entrepreneurs to remember as, and to be reminded of because I, you know, need it reminded to me every day. Um, but that we have the ability to, to basically 
transform our destiny and, and say, this is what it is going, where it's right, where it's right now. And it sucks. And I thought this would be better, but it's not. And now I can actually make that decision to change it. You know, I made a decision on one day and said, tomorrow, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm not doing these websites this way anymore. I'm doing them totally different. And it just changed in one day for me. Um, and so I think that that's really important. And, and to determine a client, they have to be your people. You know, you have to really know who you are and who you're actually trying to work with. If you've had three clients, let's say, and two of them were amazing, or let's say one of them was really amazing. One mm -hmm. of them was eh, pretty good, not bad, good client, paid on time and everything, and pleasure to work with. Um, and then maybe you just weren't, you know, interested in their product or service or whatever. You're just like, yeah, it's, it's okay. And then one of them was awful. They were just horrible. Well, if you look at those people and you're like, you know what, that amazing client, they were a coach. I need to work with more coaches. You might have one or two bad apples in there every now and again, but really focus on everything about that person and make them your target market. And then that client that was the okay client, if one of those client comes to you, yeah, you can work with them. Yeah, they were pretty good. That, that industry is okay. That they seem to be all right. And then if that horrible client comes to you, that's when you're like, no, put the foot down. We're closed. I'm sorry. No, no business until next year. I'm sorry. We're done. And so I actually had a um, coach tell me recently, she said, there are five types of clients and I'm trying to remember all of them, but the first one are the, um, the no, that's not for me. I don't need you. You know, I'm, I'm, I've done that already. I don't need that. So you don't want the ones that tell you, no, that's, you don't need them anyway. And then the second one was, um, the ones that are afraid. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I, oh. I don't know. And so those ones you never can really convince anyway. So we should know we should just write them off to begin with. And then the third kind, these are the worst. Mm -hmm. These are the absolute worst. I hate these ones so much, but I get so many of them and you have to learn to deal with them better um, as you go along. And I've learned to deal with them a little bit better. Thank goodness. Um, but, <laughs> but the third kind is the Seymour's. They are the ones that are like, well, do you have more testimonials? Well, can I see your prices? Well, do you think you could show me some other sites you've done? Well, do you have some, can I call your clients? Like they're asking all these questions. And it, at first though, they seem like they're really interested because they're asking all the right questions, right? Tell me more about your process. Well, tell me a little bit about how this has worked for your other clients. And you're like, oh yeah, let me talk to you about this. Let me share with you all the cool things I've done and all the amazing stuff I've been able to pull off. And then they get to that. Okay, it's time. What do you want to do? Decision. Yes or no? Are we working together or not? And they're like, well, can I see? Then you're like, no, you need to cut those people off. I have a hard time cutting those people off because I feel like, but they were interested. <laughs> One part of my brain saying, but they, they said they were going to do something, you know, mm -hmm. and you don't want to turn people away. But I've had to cut several of those people off. And every time that I have and said, you know what? When you're ready, you let me know. We'll be here. And they're like, can I, can I? I'm like, you do whatever you need to do. Talk to you, talk to you later. Yeah. And literally like, that's it moving on. And I, every time I've done that, the next day, two days, three days, a week later, I have gotten one of the most amazing clients. Call me, book, done. Wow. And so I have noticed that it's kind of like this pre-warning, like I'll get that client. I need to vet them out, handle them appropriately and say, okay, when you're ready, you let me know. Goodbye. And then wait, because as soon as I do that, that next right person, the next amazing person is right around the corner. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough thing. I always got in trouble. My buddy and I had launched, he had launched this business and brought me in and it was all experiential stuff. And he would get pissed at me. He's like, dude, 
they got to pay for that. And I go, I'll tell them they still know how to fucking do it. He goes, they still have to pay for it because they're going to mess it up and blame us because they heard it from us. And he was right, you know, because uh, I'm like you. Someone asked me a question, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he'll be like, nope, hang up the phone. He would come over and hang up the phone. He's like, you're talking too much. You're sharing too much. They're asking a lot of questions. You got to cut it off. And, but, you know, and we worked well together in that capacity. Cause, but, he, you know, he would do that. And I would do that with him sometimes. I'd be like, you're being too nice. Like, no, the check's not in the mail. It's a wire now. It's a wire. It's a thousand more bucks. If it's not here tomorrow, it's a wire, a thousand more bucks. And amazingly, they're like, can I just wire it to you right now? You get the check comes, just rip it up. Check never showed up right yeah mm-hmm. but i'd write the contract so aggressively and he's like dude you know or you get the people i don't have the money i wasted money on the last marketing person not yeah. my problem yeah i don't care right i'm not your accountant i don't so i actually solved that problem and this mm-hmm. has worked out really well for me i take my 11 dollar profit first book i mail it to them or i send it to them or i give it to them and i say you don't have the money now read this come back in three months and you will and they usually do Wow. That's awesome. I love you've given people homework. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you a little homework. You're going to get some work done. Come on now. That's awesome. That's impressive. Uh, this is, you know, these are the kind of things that, um, honestly, that everybody needs to hear, not just business people, not just marketing people. You can take that into every aspect of your life, right? Uh, you're going to have people that are going to, leech off of you in some capacity right you're um you're gonna have people that after you hang out with them you're just kind of in a grumpy mood or but you still hang out with them why well they called Mm -hmm. and cut it off get done get it out it's beautiful beautiful advice for life not just business it really is and i think if uh if i was grace kelly's friend and at uh, at this point i probably would have told her uh you need to cut that jimmy guy off (laughs) i'm dead serious right he is done Jimmy, Jimmy, you should have been single about five minutes into this film. She comes over with the wine and the lobster and everything. And she's like, hey, right. I don't know. Drinks the wine, yep. not feeling anything else. Yeah. And I love that for everyone, you know, who doesn't understand. It's 1954 and the sweltering heat is 91. This is the sweltering heat that they are dealing with. 91 degrees. If you don't think that the climate is not changing around us. <laughs> 91 was sweltering heat they're like i cannot believe this can you oh my gosh now jimmy he would uh his cast would have melted off his leg this year (laughs) got people putting beds outside to sleep out on the on the uh, fire escapes and i love the dog thing the ingenuity of the lady with the little dog is my favorite right so i think she's wheeling him up now yeah she's like the dog goes outside to go potty she's not walking down she's not a savage She's not walking downstairs. She's got a pulley system for the, for the pooch. I don't know right. how you train your dog to do that, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Are there industries that you've sworn off that you're like, I don't do this? Um, not really. Um, no. I think it's mostly a person, a person on person basis because there are people that, you know, I've met in different industries that are amazing at what they do. And then other people that I'm like, you shouldn't be in this business, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, it really depends on the person. I had one client come to me, they did all five days plus another two days for different stuff. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything with it. They did it at the end of last year. 
And the middle of this year, they called me. And even though COVID was happening and even though their business, they could have done things to make it work if that was really what they wanted. She's like, shut it all down. I'm like, you just paid not even six to nine, you know, six to nine months ago for all of this stuff. And she's like, well, none of it helped me. And I said, you didn't use it. I, again, gave her all the tools and she didn't use it. And so I'm not going to judge her industry based off of that. It was a her thing. It yeah. was definitely a her thing. And so um, I try not to do that. But like, I mean, I've had some industries come to me like um, I don't really work with, um, you know, anybody in the adult industry. That's not really my bag. Um, anybody in the deep spiritual industry, like I've worked with churches and stuff, but like some of the you know, the healers and some of the Wiccans and stuff like that. That's kind of not my bag. Wait till COVID leaves so they can go start healing people. Again. <laughs> well, those aren't my bag either, but, um, but those are kind of the few that maybe, you know, like I said, it's a person on person basis. Mm -hmm. um, but, but really it comes down to, do I think this person is serious enough? And that's one of the questions I ask my clients is, you know, how bad do you want this? <laughs> do you really want this? Or is this just something you're doing for fun? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing because you have, she's going LaCroix people. Uh, she's a very fancy lady. She likes the sparkling water. She's not, she's not drinking on the job. God bless her. I'm like someone else over here. Um, no, it, it's very interesting. That, that's very true. I, uh, there are industries I stay away from. I don't, I don't do the tokenization people anymore. That's just, I'm like, Oh, the SEC is going to call me. I just know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, you know, that if you do international tokenization, the federal government at some point in time, if your name is on that list, is going to give you a buzz and ask you about tax liability things that I know <laughs> nothing about. But sir, your name here is the VP of communications and brand. So I'm like, mm. I can, here's my password, open up my email, look through it all. Not one thing's been deleted. Here you go. I've had, I've had the, I've had the uh, SEC uh, look at my email accounts more than I would care for from some past clients. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And that's where you have, like, you have to put those boundaries down. Cause if you don't, I mean, you know, you're just going to keep taking clients that get you in this kind of trouble. Right. Awkward phone calls. Who gets that phone call? And is like, sweet. It's like with 60 minutes calls. If you didn't call 60 minutes and they're right. calling you, <laughs> you did something wrong. You just did. You messed up, champ. All right. I mean, I, I've got some friends at 60 Minutes, and I can tell you it's true. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're not calling for the, they're not calling me like, hey, I've got this cool feel good story. By the way, about your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't play out that way. Um, what, what happened to men's pajamas? I know. What happened? I think, what happened to I think cool, fashion cool in robes? And men's pajamas. I think fashion in general is just kind of <laughs> taking a I mean, dive. I'm wearing a shirt that says I'm over this shit, but still, with, it's got a rainbow. It's classy. It's a nice cotton blend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you think about it, you know, she's been over to his house, so what, twice now? And uh, she's wearing, like, pearls and, you know, the whole getup. Dimed out. Yeah. That look, that woman right there could walk down Fifth Avenue pre-COVID and cars would stop. They would, there would be fender benders. Yep. Jimmy Stewart comes out and they're going to ask him where his time machine is. <laughs> True. I'm sorry, sir. True. What are you wearing? And you need to go back to 1954. We don't do pajamas anymore. 
He's freshly shaven. He's well groomed. He's got, you know, I mean, those pajamas, that's something that an adult male now wears on a Southwest flight. Yeah. <laughs> they but do I, have the term pajama boy for a reason. <laughs> but I, I wonder, like, you think about all the, the fashion comebacks that have happened, all the things that have happened, and the one boat that's been missed is men's pajamas. Like, legit, like, nice. Yeah. Not those weird Hugh Hefner silk things. Not no, the no. Father's Day with the beers clinking. Best dad in the world. No, no, no. Legit men's pajamas and robes. Real nice. Remember hotels used to have real nice robes? Yep. I'm waiting for that. Because when that robe thing comes through, when someone starts making a nice custom robe for me and can put some cool embroidery on it and it's, and it's not going to, I'm not going to wash it and all of a sudden the sleeves are going to be at my elbows, you know, and, and going from my ankles to my knees all of a sudden and now my daughter's borrowing it. When we get into that world again, I'm going to be broke. Well, I can tell you right now that um, there, are, there are people on Etsy that make men's bespoke pajamas. Ooh. Only so thing you I might found, have to look at that. Only thing I found on Etsy that I find fascinating is a lady selling demon-possessed dolls, which I've been oh begging gosh. her to get on the podcast. And she's like, I don't think so. I'm like, oh my oh. gosh. I want you to That's send crazy. me a doll. I want a demon-possessed doll. Not in my house. I'm not, I'm not weird. Yeah. <laughs> and not tell them. I don't want to see if some weird shit happens. Because I think the creaks and cracks of the house, right? You're going to be like, but the doll's running around. Right. You're going to forget where you put the doll. And then a couple days later, you're going to find it and go, the doll moved. Like, there's just going to be, you know, you can't. So you have to give it to someone unsuspected. You'll be like, hey, I got you this really weird doll. Sorry about, you know, the, the symbols tattooed on its feet. Just ignore those. Just keep it in your house for 30 days and just let me know if anything weird happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, Elizabeth, I'm not really one I of buy those. Uh... You keep one in your office? No, not happening. Elizabeth. <laughs> I'll pay for the shipping. Yeah, and I'll return to sender. <laughs> so then it'll come to your house. <laughs> it will. Then it's back at my house, and I don't need that. Because <laughs> if it is real, I just need someone else to experience it. Oh, nice. Here we go. Blog Mans, thank you. I'm going to check that out. I love it. Yep. I found you some pajamas. They look just like Jimmy Stewart's. I mean, I'm telling you, this is nice real deal. They just don't, you can't go to a nice store and get just a really nice robe. Mm -hmm. you know, I've got some dope house slippers, but I got those 15 years ago. 15, I still can't, and then people are like, oh my gosh, where'd you get those? I was like, dude, I got them at this boutique store in Newport Beach 15 years ago. They don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. the, the, the slipper people don't exist anymore. The robe people, you ladies still get the cool pajamas. Y'all are <laughs> running around in, the, in cool shit all day long. You got the great clothes, you got, you got functionality in shoes from high heels to chucks. And no matter what you guys wear, guys, you're like, great shoes. Love them. You look great. You got great pajamas. You've got great athletic wear. Look at guys' athletic wear. It's, it, it, it's, it's like it's my- In the same kid, since uh, like 1985. Yeah. It's like my kid just went, I'm going to color this. I was like, I'll put that on as a shirt. I'm going to play basketball. It's another dude. Who am I impressing? <laughs> the only time guys dress nice for the gym is if, they, if it's a hot yoga class. <laughs> I, I can't do the hot yoga. I, I do the regular yoga. Um, I actually have an, an interesting uh, workout routine. Talk to me. So I'll tell you, you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. I go swimming every morning, almost every morning. Okay. Do you pool or uh, free water? At, at the Y, at the pool. 
outdoor saltwater pool. Ooh, very nice. With 30 mostly women that are almost all of them over the age of 65. And their joints work great because they've been swimming. It is the best workout. <laughs> you have that mask or whatever that has a snorkel that goes up so you never have to pick your head up. You just swim power through and breathe through the snorkel. No, it's actually a workout, like a class. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So it's like a, it's like you do a normal workout routine, but you do it in the water. And um, one of the more, of more famous baseball players, I cannot think of his name at the moment, but he used to condition himself by throwing underwater. Yeah. So that when he threw playing major league, it, it was like nothing because in the air, it's so much different than when you're throwing underwater because there's so much resistance. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what I've, I've been doing, like basically doing an entire workout like you would do on land, but in water. George St. Pierre, uh, a UFC fighter uh, out of uh, Canada, I believe Toronto, French speaking gentleman, very handsome, good guy. He started a, an uh, aquatics company. All his workouts are in water and it's resistance but they've got valves at the end of these things so when you're doing curls, right? They've got a way where they figure out the weight or whatever it may be of whatever you're doing that the water pushes, you know, you pull these valves through the water and it creates this resistance and you chest and legs and mm -hmm. it's, and then uh, what was the other guy, um, Laird Hamilton, the big wave surfer. He has like this 15 foot deep pool and they will drop oh, wow. 20 pound kettlebells to the bottom. You swim down to the bottom, you grab the kettlebell, you hold it and then swim across and then drop it, come up for air, go back. And he's got this, all this underwater workout, this crazy stuff. This guy also has his, what is sauna room or is, is um, yeah, sauna room set at like 220 and has an exercise bike in there, but the metal gets so hot, he wears oven mitts so he doesn't burn his skin. <laughs> it's psychos. I like yours better. I, um, I used to play basketball. That was like my thing. Obviously, COVID um, contact and all of those things, and it was um, and it was a lot of fun. But um, hold on, one second, apologies. What's up, Disco? Um, Kira's gonna be here in thirty minutes. Perfect, love it. Okay. Friends coming over. This is the era of COVID, where the kids are here. We have a pool, so uh, what's that? Um, so if just a in... just a podcast going on, but please do okay. talk. <laughs> uh... Honey. Listen, I, I don't need any starting. We're trying to have an interview here, so please. All right, I know Kira will be here in 30 minutes. We got you. All right, Disco, go get ready. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's COVID. Kids, no place to go. We have a pool. Our house is the place to go. <laughs> it is a schedule every morning. I'm like, did you get your homework done? She's seven, this poor kid. I hold her accountable like I hold CEOs accountable. I'm like, did you get it done? Don't lie to me. Come on, let's go look. You missed one. You know, and she's just like, I'm seven. <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to rule the world one day. You That's are, right. You're That's a smart right. young. And my parenting tip, a lot of people hear this, so I forgive for the listeners who I repeat myself. Here's my one parenting tip. There's only one word your kid is not allowed to say. Can't. If you make that the rule, you will have a strong, independent, child that knows how to properly ask for help and also knows how to accomplish things for whatever it's worth that's that's a good one yep i i agree with that that's kind of what my parents did it was figure it out figure it out you gotta figure it out she dropped the uh inappropriately and 
also my fault because she hears it from me. She dropped the F-bomb. And someone was appalled. But always have a backup. Marketing, communications, always know. Get the, have the ad arrow on the quiver. I said, do you know the etymology of that word? She goes, it's vulgar. And I go, do you know the etymology of that word? It's vulgar. I go, it's a farming term, ma'am. It is a farming term from Europe when they would get cabbage. They get cabbage in the fall, and in the fall there's lots of rain. And when the hoe that they would swing into the earth to hook that cabbage and pull it out would hit that muddy wet earth, they would go, fuck. And so the farmers would say, I'm going to go fuck cabbage. And it was meant as I'm going to go farm it. I'm going to go pull it out of the ground. That's what I'm going to do. And I said, so? She's using a farming term. Oh my the lady just walked away. She was still obviously upset. I mean, yeah. Know, <laughs> he was looking on her phone, not walking. And my daughter may have said, God, I wish this lady heard the fuck up. And a little too loud. And, but still accurate because there were three open registers and she was holding a line of 20 people up because she was texting. <laughs> still not appropriate. I'm not condoning kids cursing. I understand how much it upsets people. However, we can all do our best. We can all do better, just like I can. Not probably wearing shirts with curse words that my kid can read. This is true. This is true. We live and we learn. You know, I would rather her. I'd, I'll tell you what. I'd rather her curse than say can't. I would. I, I really would. I really have a disdain against the give up mentality that is um, imbibed in, in children in some way. You know, uh, I don't know about you. When I was growing up in the seventies. I didn't know how to spell a word. I was told to look it up in the dictionary. And I was like, wait, I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> so how can I look it up? They're just like, seems like a problem, <laughs> right? Read the dictionary then. That's all I can guess is you're gonna have to do. Now, you know, you just ask Alexa. She'll yeah. <laughs> can, can we acknowledge though that um, Jimmy Stewart's kind of a hoarder here? Can we say can that we he might be a little bit of a hoarder? Crazy? He's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's smart crazy. He's eclectic crazy, but he's crazy. He really it's is. True. Yeah. He is that, he is that artist. You get those artists that, I got this buddy, he's a beautiful artist. He's a great writer. He's super smart, massively great education. You go into his apartment, there's like a moose head. There's 30 typewriters that don't work all over his house. Two dogs, it's a studio, huge bed, a desk he found on the side of the road you know, uh, six blocks away that weighs like 200 pounds that, that, you know, he's paying homeless people to help him carry so that he could get it into his apartment. Um, hatchets, randomly. Native American hatchets that he's found hanging up on the wall. A samurai oh suit, you know, uh, swords. I'm like, is the apocalypse here? Is this yeah. where the apocalypse starts? Is this <laughs> where it happens? You know, and then, and then in all this, in all the crazy chaos and all this stuff, a refrigerator the size of my computer. I'm like, hey, I went, I called Drizzly. Uh, we've got like a case of beer coming, a couple bottles of champagne. Where are we going to put it? What are we talking about? The fridge. Uh, he's, he's got a, my beer fridge is bigger than his fridge for his apartment. I'm like, dude, how about we move some of this shit out of here? He's got a table, only one, only one chair because he's got so much stuff. So much stuff. It's crazy. But yeah, Jimmy's that way. Look at the, the stacks of books, the computers. Oh all the luggage, all the stuff just randomly stacked up everywhere. Yeah. 
does that does that itch at you as an organized person that's not an organized um, website right like that's a lot of dead links over there <laughs> no no it doesn't because i actually used to work with hoarders the tv show what yeah burying the lead you come out with that you're like jason hi my name's elizabeth i used to work on hoarders it was a brief uh stint um i was a consultant okay so um but i how did you get talk to us about this so i actually used to work with hoarders locally okay i would go to their homes and i would help them they would pay me to come in and help them to organize i'm sorry that's terrifying it it was um and then i actually went on the news as an expert so this is actually a really good tip mm -hmm. uh if you have a business or you have a you know some kind some expertise that you have whatever even if you don't have a business you can call news stations radio stations tv stations whatever and you just go to their um, program manager okay. and you say look i have this expertise if you ever have a story and you need some help you let me know here's my number call me bada boom bada bing and I did that and I said, I'm a professional organizer. Here's my info, call me. A woman ended up, sad thing, a woman ended up dying in her home because EMTs couldn't get to her because they couldn't oh. get to her from her, through her house. How did she get through her house? She didn't, she stayed home all the time. Her family would bring her food and like leave it outside, like groceries and stuff. And then she would just come out and get it and like take it in. She wouldn't let anybody in her house. Okay. And so she passed away in her home and they couldn't get to her and they would talk about how horrible it was inside and everything. And sure. they came to my house to interview me and I was on TV and there's a, there's a clip of me out there somewhere on YouTube. Um, and I was on TV. So I'm going to try it, to find and, it and link to it. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> um, and it was really an interesting experience because I was already working with hoarders and I had the experience and I could speak about it. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, um, I started kind of getting some different connections through that. And then I met someone through, um, through A&E and they said, well, could, do you want to be a consultant? And I was a consultant for a little while and they would just call me and we would talk about stuff. So I never was on the show or anything, but they would call me and ask me questions and I would give them different, you know, things that I had experienced. That show terrifies me. I mean, it terrifies me the fact that for the people there, uh, it's it's so uh, unnerving to me. I think everyone's got a junk drawer, but um, it's uh, it's the explosion of that. What you know? What I guess the deeper question is: is what did you pull from that uh, as a person that allows you? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to assume a friend's a hoarder, but let's say someone's going through a tough time, but because of the organization and experience of walking people through hard things does that make you more of a empathetic or empathic person uh for your friends that are struggling to come to um it does in a, in a way and i actually learned a lot about human psychology during that i feel like i got a psychology degree just because i did that and it was because people hold on to things for a number of different reasons but it all comes back to the main trauma and to that main piece. So if someone goes through a trauma and they're like, get rid of everything, I'm starting over, they're never gonna be a hoarder. That's not their personality, that's not the way that they work, the way that they tick. But if someone goes through a trauma and they're like, oh, now I need to keep this and I need to keep that because I won't remember. And you know, they start holding on to things, even if it's trivial, like, oh, well, you know, um, I have these plastic bags and two of them are ripped, but, but one of them's still good. So I'm just going to keep all of them. You know, I might need it. 
And so things like that, they start to accumulate because it makes them feel safe and they feel like they're filling that Trump traumatic void. Sure. Um, so either people have, well, they go one of two ways. They're like, get rid of everything. I'm just done. You know, I'm starting over, getting new furniture, getting new, you know, clothes, everything. Me. Or they go the other direction and they just say, they just kind of pull inward and they start to pull everything to them and, and keep everything. So I learned a lot about that, but I have always seen that if and the hoarding situation comes about, it does come about due to a trauma. Interesting. I am. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm your first person. I only move when I have an extremely small vehicle. And if it's three, it's three, uh, like uh, moving Tupperware containers, if you will. And then one small one, so three and a half. If it doesn't fit in that, it's out. It's not part of my yep. life anymore. <laughs> and I'll go through that and I'll look at stuff. I'm like, man, why am I holding on to this again? Well, I've forgotten. And I could have forgotten for a, a copious amounts of reasons, but I've forgotten. So it's out. And then maybe two years later, be like, oh, I don't have that anymore. Okay, whatever. Don't care. I got to let it go. I got to get it out. Mm -hmm. got, it's got to be gone. I, um, that is, wow, that's crazy. That is, um, it's got to be dangerous too. I mean, and I'm talking just health wise, like you don't know what you're going to find. I remember bucking bales in Montana, you know, hook on, there's a rattlesnake in between. You've got botulism. I mean, every horrible breathable disease in the world is in there. Well, there were no masks at that point. <laughs> oh, geez. Could you so, say, like tea trail in your nose? No, no. And actually a lot of times it wasn't, um, the, the smell wasn't always this bad because a lot of times what happens with people is they get to the point where they just store things and they, they keep their house relatively clean. So they're like, they're hoarders, but they don't admit that they're hoarders. They're just mm -hmm. disorganized. Okay. Or they're hoarders or they don't, they don't see themselves that way. And so they, that's why they paid me to come in is that they're like, help me organize, help me organize. I've got and a, that's I've what got a I messy really closet. Saw. <laughs> right. Except it was like a messy, like every room in the house. Um, and so this one woman that I worked with, she was probably the worst case. And she was actually the greatest accomplishment that I had. Okay. Also, I worked with her for about two years and she had um, two traumas in her life, actually three. The first one was that her husband had a stroke and she had to take care of him. The second one was that her mother also got sick and she had to take care of her. So she had to take care of them both at the same time. Then her husband dies and she's grieving over that and she's still taking care of her mother. And then later, many years later, her mother dies. So what it, she ended up doing was she ended up just surviving and she would make sure she ate something. She mm -hmm. would make sure that she you know, functioned mostly, you know, at a minimal level and she would make sure that her clothes were clean. And that was all she did. The mail, however, she would put in grocery bags. Every day the mail would come, she would take the stack and put it into a grocery bag. So she, it was all folded like the size of the bottom of a grocery bag, you know, the paper mm -hmm. ones. And she would just stack it in there when the bag would get full, she would move the bag, stack another bag, fill it, stack another bag, fill it. She said, I'll get to it later. She didn't have time. Her mental capacity was at such that she could only deal with making herself food, keeping her clothes clean and dealing with her ailing and sick husband and mother. Oh. And she was like, it's been three years. My mother's been gone. And she had no money at this point. She was almost bankrupt. She said, I know that there's money somewhere in here, but I don't know where it is. So I started going through the mail. I found about almost 100, 120 Medicare checks 
that had never been cashed. Some were for $500, some were for $1,000, some were for $5,000, depending on what was happening at the time. And they were all expired. Oh. So I found all of them. I also found a ton of pizza coupons that were all expired <laughs> from all the different ads you get in the, you know, the mail. Um, all the different political ads from over the years. Mm -hmm. like, can um, I save these and, political ads? I'm going to keep these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be worth something, actually. So I, I got rid of everything. I kept all the, you know, the important mail, obviously, and sorted it all out for her. And the, the most amazing thing was she had this couch, this, this gold 1970s pristine looking couch. But no one knew that because she had taken the bags and stacked them on the couch. So they were like sitting on the couch, right? Mm -hmm. And then because her husband had a wheelchair, she ended up taking the doors off of the, of the rooms so he could get in and out. Yeah. And she put a door on top of the bags. And then she stacked more bags. Another door. So she had oh. this stacked system taller than me. And I ended up going through every single one of those. I'll, I'll send you a before and after picture if I, if I find yeah, it yeah, yeah. Um, of the living room. And she had the most amazing mid-century furniture in there, but no one knew it because there was mail stacked everywhere. So Basically, it was an incredible thing. And she ended up, um, she had, she had never, she was always like so timid and she never wanted to go out and she never wanted to like be around a lot of people. And I took her to the beach one day. She lived two blocks from the beach. And they said, we're going to the beach. And I took her out there and she ended up walking around barefoot, which I thought was incredible. First of all, that she had just like gotten kind of felt free enough to do that. She walked around barefoot and she like ran up and down the beach, flapping her arms like she was a bird. And she goes, I feel so free oh. because of what you've done. Wow. I just got goosebumps. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, she was an incredible person and, um, you know, I was able to help her a lot and, and he, I know she still had work to do even after I was done, you know, working with her, but sure. she, she was, she got really, really far with when I was working with her. Man, what a great story. What a, that's beautiful. That really is awesome. Uh, I mean, it's tragic what, what, what happened that, that led to it, but the, the insights on, on the rebound of just anyone who's ever been to the beach or the lake or, you know, step outside after a hard day and you're breathing that fresh air and it feels so yep. good. Folks, God knows how long that lady had not done that, experienced mm -hmm. that. And I, and I think that also, and I'll put the challenge out there. I, I, I give two challenges to people. One, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use yours as a challenge, right? Go outside and flap your arms. Feel free. <laughs> Legit feel. If you don't have a kid, go and play. Don't ask to play with someone's kid and be weird, right? Go yeah. play yourself, right? Run down the street flapping your arms. When people point at you, go, I don't have a kid. I'm being weird. No one's going to care. Two, you look in the mirror every morning. I do it with my daughter, and this is a hard thing to get her to do, but she finally does it now. We look in the mirror every morning. We see a couple of positive affirmations. Then we look, you look at yourself, and you say, I love you. Out loud, not in your head, out loud. And it's amazing how it changes the, because you will get frustrated during the day. Bad stuff's going to happen. Good stuff's going to happen. The highs and lows are going to happen. And you're going to experience, it doesn't, they don't go away. But your rebound from them, knowing mm -hmm. that you love yourself, is, is smaller. It's not as drastic. It doesn't exhaust you as much. And I'm worse. I'm, I'm horrible at it, man. Tech, tech doesn't work for my kid. We had tech. It wasn't like stuff wasn't working for Zoom. This is the crazy mm -hmm. person. These are my highs and lows, right? These are, these are my, this is me. Stuff wasn't working. 
call the school district, take like six hours on the phone talking to people, not talking to people because in the A of COVID, right? You get to hide behind voicemails and emails. Ooh, I didn't get that. Oh, delete. Oops, didn't get that, right? So I called the local news and they decided that, you know, it just wasn't the time to do a story on how public schools weren't kind of doing their job. And that's okay. I understand, listen, everything's political. I get it, you know, um, especially in Austin, right? I mean, we are one of two cities in the nation that really dictate school curriculum for the nation, uh, you know? So I get it. So I did what any rational adult did. I talked to my friends at Reuters. <laughs> That's, that's one way of doing it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we'll just make it global. It's fine. And it was a really good article. It didn't blast anyone, right? I mean, it, and it was just, it was like, it was the sentiment of, hey man, give compassion to the teachers, give grace to the teachers, the administrators mm -hmm. and the other people, uh, you know, they, um, those people hold their feet to the fire. They write the checks, hold their feet to the fire and, and want the best for your kids. And at the end of the day, you're a parent. So guess what? Drink more caffeine, get less sleep, work harder. It sucks to say, no one cares. It's your kid. You've got to do the best you can. And if you're in Austin and you need some help, you call me. Don't know if I can do it, but you can call me, right? I'll do my best. I'll do everything I can to help you. That's, and, and it was, you know, and I talked to my friend and they do the article and she puts this email out to the, to the people that talk to the reporters. And she was like, man, we put out a call actually. Hey, let's, let's do this. And the insights, the craziness, she goes, Jason, we got flooded with emails, flooded with people at what's in and, and I'm good. I mean, I've got a, I've got a kid who's engaged and wants to learn and wants to read. I don't have a, a, a ADHD kid. I don't have a development uh -huh. child. I'm not starving for food. Uh, you know, there's no lack of love in this house. Right. And, and, and that was, that was the other hard part where you, you got to make sure that as much as you want the best for your kid, right. You're speaking for some other people uh, that you're raising awareness and, and showing them a roadmap of how to get things done and, and showing them a, a level of support of, of how to get something done that, um, that they might not know how to access or they might not know what to do. It's yeah. And I think, you know, blazing a trail is really important because there are leaders in this world. And if they don't step up, the followers have no one to follow. Yeah. It's very true. And, uh, you know, you, you live, you learn, you grow from all these things. Right. And, um, you know, my, my God bless my wife. I mean, she's like, Hey, hold on. <laughs> you know, she'll come by <laughs> this morning. Some zoom didn't work. I'm like this. God bless. She's like, hold on, click, click, click. Here we go. You know what happened? It actually got logged out and this, we got to do this again. I'm like, thank you, babe. I really appreciate it. And then I come around the corner and she can still see I'm a little hot under the collar and she gives me a kiss and she goes, Hey, you're doing good. It's okay. And then my mind goes back to standing in front of the mirror with my daughter. We're going to have a good day. We're going to learn today. I love you. And it kind of washes away a little bit. You know, I, I don't want anyone to ever lose their fire of, of ensuring that our children get the best, ensuring that those that aren't protected are protected. But you don't have, you don't have to be a crazy person to have that fire. You can have some calmness to it, you know, and that's, uh, that's the beauty of, of, of balance, you know, mm -hmm. that relationships bring that Jimmy Stewart does not have. He needs balance. Yeah. 
Not yeah. that he should take any advice from me because I have zero balance, but <laughs> take advice from Elizabeth, Jimmy. Learn some balance, all right? Organize your brain a little bit. How does, um, when, you're, when you're watching this film, you know, when you're mm. thinking about your time with, 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 with your family and your dad recording stuff late at night and one of two people on planet Earth that actually knew how to set the timer on the VCR to get stuff done. <laughs> right. The fact that he didn't write a book starting to anger me. Uh, <laughs> what, um, what kind of memories come back? Um, so he would record them and then he would number them. And he worked at a place that had one of those, uh, you know, those printers that have the little holes in the paper. I can't remember what those are called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's you know what I'm talking about? They're like, you'd yeah. line it up and it would just, yeah. Right, and it would print. So he had our entire closet in one of our bedrooms so that we had a TV in a bedroom and it was mm -hmm. like a TV room, right? And the entire closet in that room was all these movies he had recorded for us to watch. And we didn't watch him like every day. So, you know, he'd record every night or whatever, whatever the movie was on during, you know, on cable or whatever. And then he would leave it. So he had um, On Our Merry Way, Young Tom Edison, um, all the Andy Rooney movies, all the, I mean, or not Andy Rooney, the, um, the Mickey Rooney movies where he was like, you know, the young kid and he had, oh, and yeah. Judy Garland was in him like those. And so he had all these movies. And he had um, Jimmy Stewart movies and Westerns and anything that TCM was playing. He was like, oh, that's a good one. And he would record it. So then he numbered them all. There were over 800. And he printed one of those things at work that had all the numbers and what movie was on which tape. Dang, and I remember as a kid, I, we would go and they would say, okay, well, we're going to watch a movie this afternoon because I was homeschooled. So we were home all the time. And in the afternoons or in the evenings, um, we got to watch a movie on certain days and they would say, okay, go pick one. Well, there's a lot to choose from. However, they, none of them were current. They were all like these older movies. And so we would flip through that page. I mean, I can't tell you how worn that, that those pages were. And if you ripped it, oh my gosh, you, heaven forbid, you, you one of the pages separated because then it was like chaos, Yeah, because right? it, it folded in this weird way. Yeah, accordion-like, yeah. right? And there was no way to like, you couldn't put it in a notebook at that point because it wasn't, that didn't work. So, so it was like this accordion <laughs> thing that we had to like flip through and you had to sit on a at a table or on the floor with it and like really gingerly like look through each page. And it wasn't alphabetical, it's by number, right? So one, two, three, four. And you'd say, I think that was in like the, the 300 somewhere. And you'd, okay, let's go to the 300. And you'd flip back, you know, and- and my sister and I would sit there and look at it for hours and hours and we'd pick out what we wanted to see and what we wanted to watch. And um, one time uh, my dad said to us, okay, well, I'm going to pick it and you're going to watch Young Tom Edison. Ooh, okay. And we thought he said Young Ta, T-A, Medicine. And we thought it was some kind of Indian, you know, cowboy movie. And he was like, yeah, Young Tom Medicine. And we're like, no, we don't want to watch the Indians, Indians and Cowboys movie. We, we don't want to watch that. And he's like, you're going to love it. And we just kept going on and on. And he was like, okay, just here, watch it. And when it said young T-O-M-E-D-S, <laughs> we were like, oh, we, I mean, we fought him for like 30 minutes, just whining and complaining. No, we don't want to watch that. Don't make us watch it. And uh, finally, it was just, uh, you know, Mickey Rooney as, as Tom Edison. <laughs> it was, uh, it's interesting. So, you know, I, I try to bring my daughter into my old school movies. And uh, we would, um, 
Flathead Video was the place. And there was a, in, in Big Fork, there's another place, I forget, video rental place, you know, 99 cents. And that's what my mom could afford once every two weeks for us to go rent. We got 99 cents, man. You go to the video store, nothing new releases, all the old school ones. And so uh, I bring my daughter and like, we're going to watch a movie. And I only remember the good parts, right? You never think about the bad parts of, and so she loves dogs. We've got a dog. We're so excited. We sit down. We're going to watch Turner and Hooch. Tom Hanks, I'm never traveling with you. We're never hanging out. Only bad things happen to Tom Hanks. All right. Every movie that he does that travels, right? It's a shit show. And this was another one because, spoiler alert at the end, the dog gets shot by a criminal and dies. My daughter is bawling. I'm holding her, just cursing Tom Hanks' name in my head. You know, and then you remember the puppies are at the end. They're like, but honey, there's puppies. Mm hmm. She's like, okay, well, at least the family name lives on, you know, it's just, so every time I suggest a movie, she's like, did someone die in it? I'm like, you know, it's space camp. No one dies in it. But, you know, it's, it's the Goonies. No one's dead, I promise. But it, it's injury because, you know, it's, there is a, um, I, I love what your dad did because it gives you pers a, a unique and different perspective on one entertainment, two communication, and then just three, you know, engagement. Like you, you, you now have a beautiful virtual representation of the transition of movies. You're no, mm -hmm. you're not a 22 year old movie fan who's now going back and watching Psycho, or going back and watching Thin Man, or watching Rear Window. You watch them. So that when you watch movies today, there's in your mind, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your mind, there's this natural progression of, oh, yes, I, I know where that came from. Yep, absolutely. And, and I've, I've done that with, um, I mean, we were watching something the other day and I can't remember what it was. And I was like, that they're like using, you know, tomes and, and themes from this, you know, or whatever. And it was very evident that they were you know, hearkening back to something or they were paying homage to something. And I've seen that happen with a lot of films with, um, you know, with Hitchcock, especially people will pay homage to him in, in many different ways. Um, and, you know, even other, other great directors. And I think one of the things also about the, the older movies, um, I, I love my, one of some of my most favorite films, um, Hitchcock is definitely on the top, like 10, obviously, but some of my other favorite films are the, the Marx Brothers films the wit and the comedy and the quick thinking that they had when they were they were doing these films was so just just so tight i mean they were just on every scene you, there was not a scene where you were like well that joke fell flat or that wasn't really you know that didn't really work it all worked because they they had meticulously honed their craft through vaudeville and through stage performances and they bring it to the screen in 1929 and 1930 and it's just so on point. It's just like, where do these people come from? And they came from these, these really hard entrepreneurial lifestyles yeah. that they had to make something of themselves. And in show business, that's, that was like 10 times harder because there weren't agents, there weren't, 
people selling them, you know, in, in big movie houses and on, on big stages and stuff, they were out there hoofing it themselves and making the name for themselves by going to the bars and doing the shows and going to the back alleys and making the deals with the, you know, the guy who ran the lights at this theater or that or thing or whatever. So, you know, they were doing those things and they were street performing and all that. And then when they get to Hollywood, they're these seasoned, amazing performers that just, they have, everything is, is together. There's no scene where you're like, oh, well, you know, and you can see in a couple of years they progress or whatever. No, they were on it just from day one because of all the experience they had. So I really like that about their films. And, um, and even like, you know, with um, Jimmy Stewart, you can see him progress from, you know, maybe shop around the corner till, you know, Vertigo or Psycho or, or not, I mean, Vertigo or Rear Window. You can see him progress in that from this really timid guy playing with his hat and, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington all the way to this almost aloof, kind of annoying, uh, you know, leading man who has these, this beautiful woman like sitting on his lap, kissing him. And then he's just like, well, whatever. <laughs> trying to talk. She's like, I like right. you. Oh, right. well, anyways. You're like, no, 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 <laughs> this is not the way this works, sir. It is, um, it's interesting, you know, J I, I wonder, uh, and, and Jimmy Stewart had this, this thing about him. And it seems like, a lot of actors today, and I know people said this in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, but there was a level of, of, of class and distinguishment that he brought to the screen. I mean, and some people have that, right? Obviously some do. Um, in some way, I think we wanted to have that, that uh, it just kind of fell away. You know, Anthony Hopkins obviously had that. He had this era about, he's on the screen, you're like listening Mm -hmm. There were moments in careers where John Cusack had that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then there are, you know, and, and I wonder, I wonder what makes that. Do you have an insight of to what, when you, you've, you've watched a man of all of an acting, right? What do you think makes that? Is it, is it confidence? Is it practice? Is it a little bit of both? Is it success? Or is it what I would like to believe, friends, family, and parenting keeping you grounded? Or maybe it's everything all in one. I think the grounded thing is really uh, a huge factor in it. Um, you know, he, he flew in World War II. You know, he was a pilot. He wasn't, you know, shielded from that in any way just because he was a famous Hollywood actor. He put himself out there. And um, same thing with uh, Clark Gable as well. And so they they put themselves in in harm's way and several other actors did as well and i think when he came back uh, this is obviously post-world war ii when he came back he he had that that extra something in him it was this you know this gravitas this um gravitational pull that when he looks a certain way or he says something specific you just you have to stop and listen to him because he's commanding your attention yeah. and I think before that he had a little bit of it, but he was putting it on. He was an actor. He was acting that way. And I think when he came back, he wasn't acting that way anymore. He had, like you said, the confidence or it was the, maybe just the experience, maybe it was the practice, but he had experienced so many different things going through that, going through World War II as, uh, you know, someone who was in on, you know, on the front lines, essentially, that he didn't have prior to that. And I think when he did this movie and some of the Hitchcock films, he, he brings that emotion to it. He brings that 
experience that he had. Not that he experienced, you know, he was an, an actor for so long, but that he had different experiences as a person. And he brought that to the films. And so um, I think that if you watch something, like I said, like Shop Around the Corner, or you watch um, uh, some of the early things he did at Made for Each Other, or things like that, um, you're going to see him be more timid on Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, even though that film, he pours on the emotion of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I mean, he is like just basically crying in some scenes and like angry in some scenes. You see him pour everything out, but it's not as impactful as if you watch, you know, this film or The Rope or, um, you know, Vertigo or something like that, where you really see his entire person take on that emotion in a totally different way than you do in Mr. Smith. So, so I think that he had different experiences as a person, which made him a better actor. Um, and I also think that people like, you know, Clark Gable, he was married to Carol Lombard and Barton, she died and that affected him greatly. So you see him pre Carol Lombard being, you know, they were just married and then you see him post her death and it's a totally, it's like a totally different person acting, even though it's the same guy, he looks the same, he sounds the same, he still laughs and jokes and whatever. But he, you can see the difference in him. And I think it's when people have experiences as a person, it changes them. And I think we can see that a lot with actors. Um, same thing for like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he's a current person that I would say is, he's got that a little bit. He's not as old as Anthony Hopkins. So he's not had all the experience that, that he has. But I feel like he's kind of come into that a little bit. He hasn't, he hasn't necessarily had any kind of major traumas that I've ever really heard about, like, you know, major, major things, but he's had a lot of experiences as a person. And I think that's helped him to be a better actor, you know, in some of his more recent films, than let's say you look back at Romeo and Juliet or, you know, Titanic and you're like, okay, kid, come on. Like acting is good. You can do it, you know? <laughs> um, but now when he's in things like Shutter Island or he's in, uh, you know, Inception and things that are newer and then he's coming out with, and some of these, especially his more recent stuff is really raw you know, you can see him grow as an actor and, and, but he's also been somebody that's been pretty grounded. I would say like a Jimmy Stewart. He's, he hasn't really had any crazy marriages, divorces. He hasn't really had a lot of crazy scandals that he's been involved in. He's just kind of been, you know, Leo, he's just been around, he does his thing, he acts and then he doesn't really get in trouble. And I think Jimmy was kind of like that as well. He didn't really have a lot of scandals. He just kind of did his thing and he was like a normal person, but he was an actor. And I think that's, that's helpful for a lot of people. And if you see some of these actors that are, you know, 18 divorces and they've got, you know, like all these different things and all these scandals going on, I think that's when you see people lose their ability to capture someone's attention when they're on screen. Um, and I would say probably the only person I would say is the exception to that, but even, even sort of not really the exception is like Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, she had so many scandals in her life and so many things she had to deal with as a person and Judy Garland as well. Yeah. He's still were able to command the attention on screen, but every, in everyone's mind in the back of your mind, you're thinking, Oh, well this happened to her or that happened to her. You knew everything about her and same thing, you know, Marilyn Monroe, people like that. You just knew everything about them. But with Leo and Jimmy and some of these other people that are like this and Anthony Hopkins, you don't really hear about them a ton unless they're promoting a film and then it's just like oh yeah they're promoting a film so you're not you don't have this like preconceived thing in the back of your mind going oh yeah and he had that sex tape that came out you know <laughs> you're not going on and on about that it's, it's weird too because especially in the cancel culture world that we're in right I'm, I'm amazed that certain people are around and i don't mean this as a knock i mean i i, I like his acting he's a smart guy but dude you dodged a bullet alec baldwin bro you called your kid a fat pig. They played it on the Today Show. You still have a job. 
there are people today that have done less that have lost their jobs, right? Or have been kicked off of Twitter or kicked off of YouTube or kicked off of Facebook. And, you know, I, I mean, I think some of it's timing, right? I, I think some of it is, um, is also what you have behind you as far as uh, experience, you know? I mean, you, at the end of the day, love him or hate him, you give that man a script, right? A, B, C, right? Or, you know, always be closing. Let's go. Coffee is for closers. To this day, there's not a sales room you can walk into that if you say that, not every sales guy won't quote it. To this day. It's, uh, it, it, Hollywood and, and, and all of this fascinates me because I 100% agree with you. You know, I think life experience makes it, right? I think there are great actors. I also think those great actors are batshit crazy if they don't have any real life experience and they're just good yeah. <laughs> at just, you know, oh, I can be that person, you know? I think that's a James Franco for you. <laughs> yeah, that it, yeah, right? Right? It's one uh, of those people I don't feel like has had, I mean, I think he's had a lot of experience, but I don't think he is able to bring it to the screen. He tries, he so tries. Yeah. He puts, he throws himself headfirst into the 15 foot deep end every time, but it, he never comes out like he, always, like he, he should. It never up. comes out like it should. He always washes up on General Hospital and that's okay. Yeah. Then <laughs> 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 you got people like, you know, uh, Clooney, who uh, started there, and <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you have people like Clooney. You have people like my friend Vanessa Marcel, right? They started there. They're on Vegas. Then they do independent films. She does. She's done big films, independent films, and you get it, and you're like, oh wow. And here's the crazy thing. You know, and and I and I'm, I'll 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 use Vanessa as an example. And sorry, Vanessa, but you're relatable in all your shows. You're relatable as an actress. And when I first met her, guess what? Relatable. Walked up, shook my hand, said hello to me. It was a golf tournament. Uh, her husband at the time was playing with our team. And we hung out all day. Had some beers. I had some beers. She, wasn't, she doesn't drink. Um, we laughed. We had fun. And then at the end, she's like, you're a fun person. If you're ever in LA, we should hang out again. Here's my husband and mine cell. You know, very respectful to marriage, very respectful to, to my fiance at the time. Here's our cell. You guys should come hang out. And that was 12 years ago, maybe 13. We still text and call to this day. I don't go, I mean, I'm in Orange County, but I'm not up in LA a lot. But man, if I'm up in LA and I miss not texting that woman saying hi, there's fire angry no come on jay i thought we we're friends <laughs> you know and, but that also makes them great right they they bring who they are in some capacity to to, to the screen i i and I, I bring all this up for for it's deliberate even though it's very long-winded people hate it they're like you ask the longest questions i do do you find when you're talking about marketing in a business how relatable do you want your ceos to be Oh, very. Yeah. I, I want them to be, you know, hard on the page. I've had people tell me <laughs> I like that. that. Um, you got to trademark that. If you don't trademark that, you got to trademark hard on the page. How, do you have that trademarked? No. <laughs> trademark that. See, well, that is awesome. It's an all, expensive that, process, that's a, trademark. That is, <laughs> that is a one. I mean, the easiest way to trademark, right? 
leave this in this ends go right. down type it up put a date yep. when you first set it fedex it to yourself yep i've done that before i have done that <laughs> do that one great point of sale stuff right i mean you're you're doing a t-shirt and it's in just lowercase hard on the page right your hat on the back hard on the page come on journalists are gonna be like can i get one of those please please I'm tattoo well, come on <laughs> tattoo. Hey, that'd be nice. that's a great tattoo um uh, but I, I actually tell people that if they, I had a, a girl, she, she came up to me and she said, um, you know, we had this big debate at a networking meeting and it kind of sparked a little bit of a fire, which was unfortunate. But um, she said to me, well, would you ever let someone swear on their website or would you ever take someone who swears on their website? And I said, absolutely. I don't swear as a rule. Like, I don't swear a lot. If I do, it's very mild. Um, but that's me. That's not you or the other person or whatever. And I said, if you swear in person and I meet you, it's going to hit me, right? Like it's going to be <laughs> right in front of me. It's going to be right in front of my face. But if, if I see your website first and I read about you and I, I listen to an interview you did, and it sounds great. And I, I watch a video or something, or I, I read your bio and I'm like, you know what? I really need to talk to this person. And then I go and book a call with you. And the first thing you do is like, how the F are you? Like, you know, and you're like, just right out there saying things. <laughs> and I'm like, um, so I run a church and I don't know if we're the right fit now. Like it, yeah. now I'm like taking it back. So I said to her, I was like, if you swear like a sailor, that should be on your webpage so that I know upfront, this is what I'm dealing with. And if I need you and I'm like, you know what? I like this person. They are like upfront. They are telling me exactly who they are. They're not afraid. That's going to embolden me to be like, I need you to tell me how to do whatever it is, or I need your help with whatever this is I'm looking for. Um, rather than having somebody who has this duality or this, this, you know, kind of hiding this piece and then until you meet them and it's like, well, too late, you know, it's that now you have to talk to them and you really, you're like, no, this is not the right person because they weren't honest on their website or they weren't honest in their marketing. And this woman, she got really angry and she was like, well, I swear like a sailor, but I would never let any client hear me do that. And I said, have you ever sworn in public? And she said, yeah, well, of course, duh, Science. every day. And I said, has anyone, any potential client ever walked by you and heard you and not been a client because of it? And she goes, well, I don't know. And I said, exactly. You could have a church person that runs a church walk by you when you're swearing to your kid about something. And now they're like, whoa, wait a minute. She never sweared to me. She never told me she did that. And now they're like offended or something. And now you've lost a client. Or maybe it's somebody who just doesn't like that or doesn't think that would go with their brand. And now they're like, eh, I'm not going to hire her. I was told to hire her, but now I'm not sure. I'm like, if you just put yourself out there, those people won't even come to you in the begin with. Those people won't even be on your roster. The people who are like, I, this person gets me. This person understands where I'm coming from because they're honest enough to tell me who they are right up front. So I am, I am all about telling people to be honest, hard on the page, so to speak. And love it. I love that so much. Give everybody exactly like, be honest with yourself enough to be honest with your clients. I, I love that. It was funny. I had a, a buddy of mine come on. He's a pastor. And I let him know, I'm like, dude, you know me. I drink beer. You know, you're in recovery. <laughs> I curse. But I want to talk to you. I have some questions. And I would love it if you would just please. And he was like, of course. But he knows me. There's no mystery, right? There's no hidden agenda. 
there's no gotcha moments in these calls, these conversations. They're not interviews. It's like it's a two-hour conversation. I get to know you, you get to know me. If we already know each other, then people get insight into our lives and our backstories. There's no, there's no mystery, right? I'm not Sarah McLaughlin building a mystery. <laughs> I bit my tongue on hold on one more day, Wilson Phillips, and you're talking about your uh, you know, hoarding people. Um, <laughs> But, you know, corny jokes, bad jokes, you know, all those things. But we get done. I'm like, how was it? And he goes, it was honest. And I appreciate that. It was you asking real questions that a lot of people are afraid to ask. And it allowed me to be really honest. It allowed me to give long answers. It allowed me to, you know, talk with you. You know, just not 30 second sound bites. It was, it was, yeah. it was a thing. And I do it with a lot of people because it's just the, the web is it to me and Twitter and Instagram, all of those things, those are your 30 second sound bites. Those are get your attention, right? We you dive into the person and understand them, understand them, get to know them to your point. You know, if you curse your kid, you say something, yeah, well, there, someone heard it. That's a client. Everyone, you don't know who they are. You don't know where they're at in life. You don't know where they're going to be at. They could win the lottery tomorrow and think I'm gonna start a business and I was, I'm gonna hire you. But also no one wants someone two-faced. You never wanna meet the person who's super nice and then all of a sudden there's a conference in Vegas and they've got two mm -hmm. shots of tequila under their belt and now they're ready to party. And it's like, yeah. we're going to the strip club and doing Coke and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you just told me you don't need McDonald's because it's poison. Right. And now you're doing Satan's dandruff? Stop. Like, what are you hiding? What demon is inside of you that you just don't let out? And why would you just be natural and honest? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like I get people who come on and they go, hey, um, I really thought this was just all about the movie. I didn't know I was going to talk about myself or my business or what's going on. And we're going to talk about current events. I'm like, did you not listen to anything? They're like, no, don't talk to me about it, man. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I broke a rule because I did some research on you. I broke a rule. I had interviewed a marketing PR person, a VP mm -hmm. at a firm. And we had a great conversation. It was so much fun. And then she calls me two hours later. Can you edit this out? Hey, will you edit this part out? Hey, you know what I was thinking? I said this, can you edit this out? <laughs> you know what? Um, we're going to have to, can you just, and I just, I, I got like four emails from her and I said, I'm deleting the interview. We're not doing it. Don't worry about it because you are being honest with me and you're not being honest with your clients. And now it's out there on planet earth. And now you're scared because you were honest. No. And I swore it off. I was like, I, I will never talk to a PR marketing person again because I've been in the business and no offense to the industry people out there, but let's be real honest. 90% of you lie. Oh, I totally agree. You lie, you manipulate, you cheat, you mm -hmm. steal. And you use really bogus things to try to bump your numbers up or do things which are just dishonest. And I don't like- I call it the guru syndrome. Oh, well, see, are you trademarking this stuff? Good <laughs> God, you're like a soundbite machine of awesome. He's gonna start a book, it's gonna- I, I actually, so let me tell you, my husband, he helps people write their first book in 90 days and I'm, I'm doing that finally. Wow, well, these should be some chapter headings because they are fantastic. They really are, they're awesome. But yeah, I'd say, and I had a buddy, he put something on LinkedIn and he was like, 
I really love good PR when it happens like this. And all these PR people are like, this is great. And then I see it. God bless. And I should bite my tongue. But I said, this isn't PR, this is advertising. And it's a beautiful ad and they did a good job. But the PR person was handed this quote three months prior and couldn't get any news out of it. So they had to turn it into an ad to make sure something happened. And all the PR people above me that are commenting should be embarrassed. I got a couple of emails. <laughs> You know, how dare you and you don't understand. I'm like, no, I've launched PR agencies. I've come in, founders have come in and asked me to help them build their business. Mm -hmm. I've told them the benefits, the difference between a $10,000 client and a $5,000 client, $5,000. And the want from a 10,000 is the same as a want from a five. The difference is, yep. is that $5,000 client, that's their last five grand. The $10,000 client, that's not their last 10 grand. They don't get ulcers at night wondering why they're not on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. They don't get ulcers when they're calling you saying, how come not in deal book? Have you done a deal? No. Well, I want to go over one quick, quick, quick. What's the title of the New York Times piece that you the column you want to get in? Deal book. Have you done a deal? No. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that also goes back to why I don't do funnels anymore. <laughs> Talk to me. I heard from uh, another marketer that um, it was, and this is just so brilliant. I just had to like steal it. It is just as hard to sell someone something for $127 as it is to sell someone something for $8,000. hundred percent. And I was like, forget it. I'm done with funnels. I'm not telling my clients to do them. I am telling them to be, again, be honest. My pricing is on my website and I talked to someone uh, yesterday morning. I did a podcast. It was a live. And she said to me, I can't believe you put your prices on your website. You charge $8,000 for five days. And I was like, yeah, that's probably too low. It's way, you're <laughs> you're like, getting a year of work. It's way right. too low. If you parse out 365 <laughs> divided 8,000 champ, find it. Yeah, exactly. So she said, how, why did you put your prices on your website? I've been told by so many people, never do that. You want them to call you. You may need to make them call you. And it's a sales call, da, da, da. I said, if I don't put my price on my website, you have no idea what I charge. And if you have no idea what I charge and you call me and you have a budget of $100, that's going to be a waste of my time and your time. And she was like, oh my gosh, I put my website, I'm putting my prices on my website today. And I was like, do it. There's do no it. rule that says you have to do this or that or not do this or that. Why is it that people, they will, they're so geared about the dollar bill they'll spend or not spend, but no one thinks about time. I told this, this young gal, she's going to babysit uh, my daughter for my wife on our anniversary. And she's just like, Hey, how much should I charge? Her dad's standing right there. He looks at me. He's like, and I said, listen, if you go to the store and you buy a banana and it goes bad, what do you do? You go buy a new banana. You go buy an avocado and that little asshole is going to say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then you're going to go, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm rotten. You missed, you missed the boat again. But right. you, you go buy another avocado. You just do. However, time, you do not get back. You never, you, there's nothing you can do to get it back. That doesn't exist. It'll never exist. So value it. Value your time and what you're going to do. Value the marketability of, of, of your process and your ideas and your thoughts and who you are and, and understand that you're giving someone else freedom and time and what you're doing. 
So value that appropriately as well. What's their time worth? What's your time worth? And what's the middle? And that's your price. You want another one? Yeah, I do. Let's get at it. You can always make more money, but you can never make more time. True. 100%. I use that one all the time. And my clients are like, well, it's $8,000. I don't know if I can do it. And I'm like, when you're ready, I'll be here. You know, I'm not going anywhere like Jimmy Stewart falling out a window. <laughs> Jimmy's like uh, doing the flash. Perry Mason's coming after him. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been cool if someone modern, someone out there who's really smart, can this scene right here, can you just put the Perry Mason things there? It's like, and then the flash goes up. That would be fantastic. I love those things where they do. I like when the Harry Potter, have you seen that YouTube mix where they gave him guns instead of wands? Oh yes. Yeah. Or the uh, home alone where they, uh, where it's like the, the brain surgeon or the traumatic, the ER doctor was like, well, that's actually a third level hematoma to the dome. And you're just like, Oh God bless. Right. <laughs> See you. He's hanging him upside down like a mobster. I love this scene so much. because Every, I just, there's a part of me in my heart that goes, every mobster scene stole from this. Yep. Every one of them, mm -hmm. like, hanging him out the window when he's flipping his, he's hanging his legs and it's get out. You know, it's just, it's so much. Every, there's not a, uh, there's not a private eye TV show that hasn't taken rear window and done an episode on it. Not one. Simon mm -hmm. and Simon, check. Magnum PI, check. You know what I'm going How about uh, that darn cat? That, oh yeah, you're right. They did that too. Every, I mean, if you are a cop show of some capacity, right? Um, you could be the, the, you know, any, any of them, name them. If it's a two person tag team cop show, they've done this. Yeah. They've done it and they've done it well, right? But they've done it and I don't, and how many, because you know what you don't see at the end of any of those shows? Thanks, Alfred Hitchcock. You never yeah. see that. <laughs> It's so rude. Yeah. I got to watch. I'm like, this is rear window. And okay, we already know who's guilty. We already know who's innocent. I, I know what's going to happen. A lot of people don't get thrown out of a window at the very end. But still, the whole, the, the, the base is there. I also well, that's like a lot of people, a lot of um, shows now, they, they're taking off of like what The Office has done. I watched um, the, the first season or the one season of Powerless. They had a ton of Office things that they did they were just straight from the office of uh, the u.s version and then you know parks and rec takes almost directly from the office all the time um, other shows too like just tons of little shows that just popped up you know after that just take directly from the office and like stick it like a whole episode even just right into their show it's like that that was on the office they did that on the office <laughs> same thing with hitchcock i mean he just had so many good things that when one person invents it and then people just steal from you. And I've actually had that happen a lot with my business. There yeah. are so many people right now that are doing one day sessions. They're not doing them great. They're not doing a great job because they don't know what they're doing, but they're trying and they're, mm -hmm. they're stealing my, uh, <laughs> my methods and my formulas, but it's never going to be the same because it's not me. But at the same time, it's a little bit like, well, I didn't get any credit for that. Nobody, nobody's saying that, Hey, look, it's Elizabeth's formula. We're just going to use it. <laughs> but it's also, it's, it's a great compliment, right? Cause you've done it right. That's true. You've garnered attention people see it they know that it works and now it's the spin you know uh i love at the end he's got two broken legs it's just so, yeah <laughs> so hilarious. but it is that that thing right that that idea is is there it's very real 
and it's very tangible. And I mean, I love it when people try to steal stuff from me. We, uh, we had pitched a, uh, one of the major carriers, a concept. They'd reached out to us, experiential marketing thing, talk to them. Then they just, they stopped calling back. They didn't return emails. Hey, do you guys want to, nothing. And then three months later, our program comes out. It's not as good as ours. It's not as thought out. There's a lot of things missing that they kind of, mm -hmm. you know, the things that we didn't say, you know, you know, right. the nail that kind of holds the whole thing together. Right. It's the 10 cent nail, but it's the most important one, right? It's, it's the insight. It's the vision. It's the understanding of the consumer. It's all those things that big companies generally miss. And it flopped. And when it was done, I was connected to the CMO who we didn't talk to. We talked to the person below him. And I said, hey, next time you shouldn't steal it. You should just talk to the experts. Right. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I forwarded him all the emails. And on LinkedIn, all he replied back was, is I'm sorry. I was like, hey, man, you guys, you guys got kicked in the dirt, not me. Your stock went down. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of upset people. Good for you. I mean, you did it to yourselves. Have honest people around you. Mm -hmm. Be dedicated. Goes to back to honesty again. Yeah, be dedicated to the craft, man. Get after it. All right, two final questions, please. If you don't mind. Yeah. Movie's over, rated PG, everyone. Go watch it. It's on Amazon, Hulu. It's everywhere. You can get it online. Please watch it, and then you can go back to your regularly scheduled programming and see everything that's been stolen from it. <laughs> so, one, once again, please let everyone know where they can find you, about, just, you know, just, Reiterate, please, in your website, all that jazz. And then two, as a person who talks to people, interviews, does interviews, all of that stuff, A to F, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Please give me a score and give me some tips to be better. All right. So you yeah. can find me at <laughs> getabsolutemarketing.com. And I am actually on track. Uh, I have a goal this year to be on 100 media appearances, and I'm at number 84. Ooh. So we're getting there. Yeah, I can, um, I can make some so, introductions if you'd like. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so uh, so this, this was a really interesting podcast. I actually wasn't sure what to expect fully. Like I've seen some, but I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, was it going to be exactly the same or it's going to be slightly different, you know? So, so it was really interesting. And I loved the fact that we were watching the movie at the same time. And I just, I just love the whole thing. Um, I would definitely say, the only thing I would say to improve is, um, force us to reference the movie more. Okay. Cause we, we did. And I, I saw some things out of the corner of my eye and I was like, Oh yeah, this, I want to talk about this. Um, but I think like forcing that in a little more because I want to, I want to talk more about the movie, even though we did, we talked a lot about it and we talked about a lot of other things. I think bringing it in like every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes, like just kind of keep a general Ooh, like sphere of that. Like just to, Hey, look at this scene or whatever, you know, and, and pull it back in. Right. So I think that'd be the only thing, but I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun and definitely different than one of the, most of the ones that I've done. Um, I think the only other one that I've done that's been so different like this um, was, it was a two hour podcast, but it was like two hours of just in-depth questions. And I have it on my site. It is like into my childhood and you're into my, what did my parents were like and my siblings and like, I mean, it is like in depth. Um, going into what happened with my divorce and how I started my business and then where I am today. 
So that was a really, really intense one, but I really liked this one because it was just so fun and free flowing and we got to watch the movie and yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, you've already heard my speech on time. So thank you for sharing the time with me. I, I greatly appreciate it. I will, of course, um, email you uh, the uh, SoundCloud and iTunes links when, the, when this comes out. And like I said, I'll shoot you the data as well. You might have some fun with that and all that jazz. Um, thank you so much. If you ever want to come back again, please um, let me know. Yep, I already downloaded them. Thank you very much. And uh, once again, thanks so, so, so much for your time, man. I, I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful week. I'm going to introduce you to a couple of people that do a more business-focused uh, podcast uh, that um, some marketing and uh, this guy, Darren, he's, he's fantastic. I'll do an email intro with that as well, but thank yeah, you. I love that. Have a wonderful week, as I said, and um, be good. We'll talk Thank soon. Thank you so much. I really had so much fun. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.